It's hard to compare yourself to somebody else when you're praying for somebody else. Don't focus on all you've done for God. Focus on all that God's done for you. Anything you've done is only because of God's grace. This is Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. We live in a merit-driven culture, often defined by our possessions and sometimes driven by our own envy. A lot of our personal identity is wrapped up in how well we perform our vocation. So how does this square with God's economy? Today, David continues his sermon, The Danger of Comparing. In heaven, there's going to be a great reversal of all the things we think are important here. There's going to be an inversion of God's economy with our economy. And when we get to heaven, those who have lived by grace are going to be first in line. And those who live by quid pro quo, meritorious thinking I should get what I earn, are going to be last. Let me first of all tell you, dear friends, fairness ended in the Garden of Eden. When this world became broken and fallen, fairness ended. But also, God looks at fairness through the lenses of grace, not merit. And that's what the landowner meant when he said in verse 15, am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you envy my generosity? Do you envy the fact that I might give to somebody else more than you? Do you envy maybe that person who hurt you, that you want him to get it from God, not get a blessing from God, and yet God gives them a blessing, even maybe more than you have? In this great reversal that will happen in heaven, through the lenses of grace, all of us need to remember that God calls us to his vineyard. It's his world in which we live. He made it. He allows us to live in it. And it's his money that he loans to us. And he gives it to us as he wills. God is in no one's debt. If anything, we're in great debt to God for all that he has given to us. It's his right to give his gifts to us as he wills. There's nothing meritorious within David Chadwick that deserves anything from God. In my rebellious, fist-pumping anger against God and the things I've done to hurt his heart, I deserve hell itself. But God, rich in his grace and mercy, decided to give me a denarius. By his grace, all we do for God is only because he's given us the grace to do it. Deuteronomy 8 reminds us anything we've earned, any possessions we have, are only because God gave us the energy to earn those possessions. It's all because of his grace. Therefore, every day of our lives should be lived by having a signature of SDG next to our signature. What is SDG? Johann Sebastian Bach put SDG at the bottom of every one of his masterpieces in music. 
Many people didn't know what it meant for years until they finally figured it out. Bach was a committed follower of Jesus, and he knew everything he had was a grace gift from him, especially his musical ability. So at the end of every one of his scores, he put SDG, three Latin letters meaning soli deo gloria. To God alone belongs the glory. Everything's a gift. Everything's a grace gift from him to us. Now, if that's true, and I'm convinced it is, and that's what's going to happen in heaven, we're going to live by grace, not by works. There's a huge grace killer in our lives. It's called comparing. Beware of the snare to compare. Would you repeat that with me? Beware of the snare to compare. Because when you start comparing your life with other people's lives, when you start looking at what other people have that you don't have, only two things can happen, and both of them are bad. First of all, you can become prideful. When you look at how much more you have than somebody else, you can feel like you're God, and aren't you special? And that's a disease that will kill your soul. The second thing that can happen is envy. Envy. You start wanting what they have, and your life is eaten up with that green-eyed monster called envy. Have you heard the phrase green with envy? Do you know from where it comes? Back in Roman days, a couple of millennia ago, the Romans realized that when people felt envy, bile was released into their body system. What color is bile? It's green. And it causes your skin hue to take on a yellowish, greenish color. So they concluded that envy caused your body to change and eventually could kill you. That's what the writer of Proverbs meant in Proverbs 14, verse 30. A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh. Read the last part with me. But envy makes the bones rot. Makes the bones rot. Envy can kill your physical body. Do you see how insidious envy is? What's the major evidence that envy might be consuming our hearts? That comparing might be overcoming our souls? What's the major evidence of it? Your words. Grumbling complaining, murmuring. You become angry at God. I don't like the way you're running my life, God, is often said. How dare you give blank all of those blessings when I've been so faithful to you. I mean, I started laboring for you at 6 a.m. in the morning, and this person over here gets all of these blessings, and they've hardly loved you at all. Our words show what's in our hearts. And like a child, we're crying out to God angrily, that's not fair. That's not fair. Envy is pervasive, it's hidden, and it's subtle. Beware of the snare to compare. Please say it with me again. Beware of the snare to compare. Especially with money. 
especially with looking at how much other people have been paid that you've been paid by God. That kind of comparison with money is especially insidious because what you're doing is you're comparing your insides with somebody else's outsides. When you compare monetarily, you're comparing your insides with somebody else's outsides. It's the old, the grass is greener on the other side. And then when you get to the other side, you find that grass is green over a septic tank. You have no idea what those people are going through. You have no idea what's really happening in their lives. But you conclude because their outsides look blessed, their insides must be good. You're comparing your insides with their outsides, and it's especially dangerous. You see, anything anyone receives from God is only because of his grace. Again, all of us deserve hell. That's what we deserve. Only God is good. We've not been perfectly good. We deserve to be separated from him. But because of his rich grace and mercy, he died on the cross to forgive us of our sins, to give us the gift of eternal life. Please say this with me. I am not defined by the blessings of others. I am defined solely by the grace of God. I refuse to be measured by a false standard. In heaven, the pecking order of society is going to be entirely reversed. The first will be last, and the last will be first. Those who will be first next to Jesus will be those with the most gracious, generous hearts possible because God will have dealt with their hearts, and there won't be claims of braggadocia about all we've done for God. It's all a gift. It's all a gift. So if I may, I'd like to give you some practical suggestions for how to develop a gracious heart to resist the snare to compare. These are things I've tried to practice that have meant a lot to me, and I hope they help you too. First of all, develop a thankful heart for all that you have. All of it. And in fact, do something that Marilyn and I have done. Make a list. For some of you, especially with grayer hair, that might be what's called a sheet of paper and a pen. <laughs> For those of you who are a bit younger, use an iPad, use an iPhone, use your computer, doesn't matter. Make a list. And on this list, list out all the things for which you have to be thankful. Begin right now. The next beat of your heart. The next gulp of air you ingest. The food that you ate before you came that you can't wait to get to as soon as this big mouth preacher stops preaching and you can get out of here. The clothes on your back. The friends and family members you have. List them. The car that you drive. 
If you drive a car, you're among the 5% of the richest people in the world. And you're now saying, but I lease my car. If you lease your car, you're among the 5% of the richest people in the world. (laughs) Marilyn and I have traveled all over the world. and We've seen people, millions upon millions of people, walking miles with heavy burdens on their heads to get from one destination to another. To own a motorbike in those cultures is considered wealthy. Thank God for it. For clean water coming out of your tap. Most of the world doesn't have that. Relatively clean air to breathe. Go to China. They don't have that. Make a Thanksgiving list. If your feet can touch the ground in the morning, arising out of bed, thank God for it. Because there are soldiers who have given their basic feet to love this country that can't put their feet on the floor right now. Or there are people who have sickness and are paralyzed, live in a wheelchair all day long. They can't put their feet on the floor. Thank God for that. Even the simplest of his grace gifts to you. Make a list. And by the way, say grace before every meal. That's a practice of mine. Interestingly, that term grace comes from this very idea that three times a day, whoops, most people in the world don't eat three times a day. But for us Americans who have so much, three times a day, stop, pause, and remember that the food that's set before you is a gift through God's grace to you. Make a list. Pray prayers of thanksgiving for those who've received God's grace. Maybe it's that person that got the job you wanted. Maybe it's that person who received the raise that you didn't get. Maybe it's a family member that doesn't love Jesus nearly as passionately as you do, but they've got material blessings like you don't have. Give thanks to God for that. Because it's very hard to envy when you're on your knees praying for somebody else. It's hard to compare yourself to somebody else when you're praying for somebody else. Don't focus on all you've done for God. Focus on all that God's done for you. Anything you've done is only because of God's grace. Practice grace giving. I know I've covered this with y'all and some of you don't like it, but I still believe it. I believe the tithe is the beginning point for grace giving. That God set that into his law. The tithe, the 10%, is the training wheels for learning gracious giving. But if you can't get there, just give as you can. Give as much as you can. Develop a heart of grace that expresses itself in financial generosity. Nothing breaks the back of the money monster like gracious generous giving. Beware of the snare to compare. Two final stories. One is the story of an old monk who gave his life to the Lord and decided to go into the wilderness and pray all day long. The evil one, hating the fact that someone was praying all day long, came up with three temptations to get his heart moved away from God's grace. 
So while the monk was praying, the, the first thing the evil one did was put into his mind all kinds of coins and riches and rubies and all kinds of different things. It didn't phase the monk. He kept on praying. Secondly, the evil one put into his mind thoughts of dancing girls, scantily clad, you know. He kept on praying. His heart was focused on Jesus. The third temptation, the evil one got close to his ear and whispered into it, your best friend, Makarios, has just been selected the bishop of Antioch over you. And a scowl came over his face. Envy. Second story is contemporarily a, a man was very successful in his business, but he had a competitor that he just hated. And the competitor always seemed to have just a little more than him. And his sneer to compare made his heart filled with anger. So God wanted to deal with him. He came to him and said, here's the deal. You need to know that anything I give to you, I'm going to double and give to your uh, competitor. I'm going to force you to deal with this envy. If I give you $10, I'm going to give him $20. If I give you $100, I'm going to give him $200. I must break this snare to compare. So what do you want? The man thought for a minute. His heart became angrier as he thought about his friend, his competitor. He finally said, God, here's my request. Make me blind in one eye. Got it? Which means his competitor's blind in two eyes. That's what envy can do to you. Please, dear friends, avoid the snare to compare. Beware of the snare to compare. Because in God's economy, According to grace, the first will be last, and the last will be first. This is Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Thanks for listening. Coming up, David joins me in the studio to talk about his latest Davidism. We'll be right back. What does the Bible tell us about the end times? The Bible is a book about soteriology, your salvation, redemption, and eternal life. David Chadwick has made an informative video called The End Time Prophecies. From Genesis all the way through the book of Revelation, God's Word is revealing facts about the times we live in, as well as the second coming of Jesus Christ. We would love to give this video to you as a resource to equip you to help you understand the history and prophecies of the Second Coming found in the Old Testament. In this video, David covers the validity of Scripture, Jesus' first coming, and how we can have faith in His second coming. This video is a compelling account of the foundation of the Christian faith. To receive your free copy of this video, go to momentsofhopechurch.org backslash listener. Again, go to momentsofhopechurch.org backslash listener for your free copy of this informative, educational video from David Chadwick. End Time Prophecies from David Chadwick. Get yours for free today.
I'm Jen Houston, and with me today is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thanks for being with us today. Great being with you, Jen. In this morning's e-devotion, you wrote that reputation is what others think of you and character is what you think of yourself. Can you explain this for us? I can, and this is another story where I need to bring in my college basketball coach, Dean Smith. I love these stories. Yeah, you know, I learned so much from him and my dad, especially in life, and he was a great coach, but even a better man. and he taught me so much about life, and this is one of those. Uh, let me give the background story, though. I wasn't on the team at this point, but others who were on the team in the early 1960s told me the story. When Coach Smith started out in 1962 as the head coach at the University of North Carolina, uh, he was not very successful at mm-hmm. all. And a lot of North Carolina fans who were used to winning, they were undefeated in 1957 and won the national championship and were always very good, became very frustrated with him. So he played a game in Winston-Salem against Wake Forest that North Carolina should have won, but they lost. And he came back to the campus, and there, outside of the old Woolen Gymnasium there, was Coach Smith's dummy hung in effigy. Oh, wow. Unbelievable. Wow. And so one of the players jumped off the bus and tore the dummy down and stomped on it. Coach Smith didn't say a word. Uh, everybody went back to their dorms and then came to practice the next day. Well, then they were supposed to play the Duke team that they were to lose to, and they beat them. And so everybody's excited Mm -hmm. again. Then they went to state several days later in Raleigh and lost a game. They should have won, came back, and there was a second hanging in effigy of mm. Coach Smith, dummy rope around his neck. Wow. And obviously the fans were very frustrated with him. And that's when Coach Smith got on the bus and he looked at everybody and said, gentlemen, your reputation is what other people think of you. Your character is what you think of yourself. And someone told me that story, and I've never forgotten it. You cannot affect your reputation with other people. Mm -hmm. People are going to believe what they want to believe. In fact, with Jesus, one of the most amazing things is in Matthew 11, 19, he was called a drunkard and a glutton. I mean, people even said that about the king of the universe who was perfect and sinless Mm -hmm. in every way. But what you can affect is what you think of yourself. If you are in Christ, if you've given your life to Jesus, you're a son or a daughter of the King of kings and Lord of lords. You have royal blood pulsating through your veins. You are beloved as his child, and he will never love you any more or less than he does right now by just receiving him as your Lord and Savior. Your identity is in him. Your character is in him. And when you realize that, you can look your yourself in the mirror every morning and realize others may not like you. They may say bad things about you, but God approves of you. And when you have his smile and his approval, you can face anything in life. Wow. This is a sobering truth for all of us. And I've heard it said recently that 50% of the people that you meet aren't aren't going to like you. Yeah. And that's, you know, kind of your reputation, but you're just responsible to be who you are, an authentic, honoring person, right. the character side. Right, Jen. That is so true. And again, you can't affect what other people think of you. Mm-hmm. You can't change if they want to hang you in effigy mm-hmm. and say you're an awful coach. But you can affect how you respond to it and say daily to yourself, but I'm dearly loved by God. I'm a child of God. And when you do that, you have the courage to keep moving forward. And Coach Smith went from being hung in effigy not once but twice Mm. to becoming one of the most successful 
coaches in all of sports history. Wow, that's powerful. Thank you so much. And everyone, if you'd like to receive these daily written Moments of Hope, please go to momentsofhopechurch.org. You can subscribe. They're free of charge every morning at 7 a.m. From my heart to yours, a gift to begin your day with a moment of hope. This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. Today's message is from our online worship service, and you can be a part of our service each Sunday morning at both 9 and 11 o'clock by going to momentsofhopechurch.org. And while you're online, be sure to get your free video called The End Times. This is our gift, free for all of our Moments of Hope radio listeners. This informative teaching looks at what the Bible tells us about the end times. Just go to momentsofhopechurch.org backslash listener. Again, that's momentsofhopechurch.org backslash listener. For all of us at Moments of Hope Church, this is Jen Houston.